Today I want to continue from where I left off the last time I preached. When was that? Three years ago? I don't know. Feels like it. Uh, I want to continue talking about worship. And along the line we'll have some divine rabbit trails. How does that sound? So I entitled this message, The Importance of Worship. The Importance of Worship in the Life of a Christian. Matthew 28. 16 through 20, I want to read. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, as I read that, just in my personal time, I, I was reading that, and one part of that scripture really jumped out to me. It was verse 17. Verse 17 points out that right before Jesus gave the great commission, that the majority worshipped him. Did you catch that? It said, you know, they worshipped him, it said, but some doubted. But this is what the Holy Spirit showed me. The great commission was born out of the context of worship. The point that the Holy Spirit wanted me to share with you is that worshipping Jesus will cause the Holy Spirit to give us more understanding, more revelation, more wisdom about the Great Commission. You know, Jesus told us in there, he said to us Christians, he said, go and make disciples. How do we do it? Right? Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Now go. What do you do with the authority? Are you hearing me? So we need more understanding. We need more more uh, revelation from the Holy Spirit about that. And, and it was just interesting. when I, I never seen that before. I, I, read, I must have read this passage uh, thousands of times since I become a Christian, and I never noticed that one little portion. It said they worshipped him, but some doubted. Let's put it this way. I bet you this. The ones who worshipped him took Jesus at his word and fulfilled the Great Commission. But the ones who doubted, are you hearing me? Hallelujah. Thank you, you two. Now, uh, so maintaining a heart of worship will spiritually position us to receive more revelation, understanding. Because when we maintain a heart of worship toward the Lord, our hearts are soft before the Lord. Are you hearing me? They're soft before the Lord. Uh, our spiritual eyes, our spiritual ears are open to receive from Him. You know, did you know you have spiritual eyes and you have spiritual ears? You have natural ones, but you also have spiritual ones. Did you know that? Did you know that the real you is a spirit being? You're a spiritual being, first and foremost, right? You're a spirit being, you possess a soul, and you live in a physical body. But you have a spiritual ears, you have spiritual eyes. And when we maintain a heart of worship toward the Lord, the spiritual eyes and ears become more sensitive to Him. Are you hearing me? We'll talk more about spiritual eyes and ears a little later on. But a heart of worship toward the Lord in a corporate gathering will cause the power of God to flow more freely. Um, 
And a lack of worship will hinder the power of God, will hinder that flow in a corporate gathering. Haven't you ever noticed in a service or a meeting where really there's no heartfelt worship coming from the people, and it's like a wet blanket? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? It's just, just like a wet blanket because there's, there's no heartfelt worship to the Lord. It, it just, it, you know, it's just kind of a song. You know, it's a kind of a nice song. But when you connect worship with it, a heart of worship with it, there's power in that. Amen? So a flow of a surface service is greatly dependent upon the amount of worship that's coming forth from our hearts, from the people that are present. Because, listen, worship is a heart attitude. Did you know that? It's not just actions. You know, anyone can right now run to this altar, get on their knees, lay on their face, and look all spiritual. Amen? What's this bug doing up here? <laughs> anyone, anyone can run up here and look spiritual. But the question is, do they have a heart of worship? Are you hearing me? Not just actions. Now, of course, when you have that heart attitude, actions will follow. So I'm not suggesting everyone who comes up here lays on the ground and is not sincere. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it's possible to do that, but not really be connected to the Lord. Are you hearing me? That's, that's not for us to judge, though. Amen? If someone comes up here, are you hearing me? That, see, this, that's, that's why we open up the altar. We let people come. Amen? And that's, their motives for doing it is between them and the Lord. Are you hearing me? It's between them and the Lord. But uh, so, so worship is a heart attitude, not just actions, but the actions will follow. Something here, the Lord Jesus, when he was in his earthly ministry, he couldn't do any mighty works because of a lack of honor, a lack of respect, a lack of faith. We know what it was? A lack of worship toward him. You understand that? Because they're all connected. Where there's a lack of worship toward the Lord, there's a lack of faith toward him. Think about this. Where there's a lack of worship, there's a lack of faith toward him. And in fact, many of the miracles, many of the healings that Jesus did began with individuals who first came to him and worshipped him. I, you go to some of the, the accounts in the Word of God, it says, and this person came and worshipped him, and then Jesus acted. Are you hearing me? Amen. So, you know, I mean, if we want to talk about the topic of divine healing and miracles, you need a healing and miracle in your body? Well, I mean, we could go into the area of worship. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because that opens up a whole can of worms. Because why? Because worship is a heart attitude. Amen? And we'll get more into that here in a moment. Um, but, so, worshiping God, healing miracles, and the glory of God are closely connected in Scripture. You can do, do a study on it. It's, it's an awesome study. Um, but let me, let me touch on this now. This is so important for us as Christians to stand on and, and know that Worship is not dependent upon what, can, what God can do for you or what God can give to you. Worship is dependent upon knowing Him. Are you hearing me? And exalting Him for who He is, not for what He can do for you. That, I'm talking about worship. I'm talking about the importance of worship. You know, uh, it's, it's too prevalent in the body of Christ that, boy, they'll fall... Many people will fall on their face when, when the bills are paid and the car is paid off and uh, they get this new house and boy, it's easy to praise God and worship Him at that time, isn't it? 
But the true test is, are you worshiping him for who he is? So in other words, pure worship begins with pure motives. It begins with knowing him. Go to John chapter 4. The Lord brought this passage to my remembrance. So I tied it into this message. Pure worship begins with pure motives. Hallelujah. What's your motive for lifting your hands to him? What's your motive? What's your motive for coming to church? Are you hearing me? What's the motive? Do you come to church just, you know, because you think God's a Santa Claus? Uh, you know, I mean, come on. Why are we here? John 4, 20 through 24 says this. Our fathers, this is the woman at the well. The account when Jesus came and talked to this woman at the well. Our fathers, the lady said, worshiped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now I know that can be a mouthful, so I'm going to touch on it here in a minute and break that part down. But Jesus told the woman at the well. Remember, she was living in sin. Jesus said, you know, go, go get your husband. And she said, well, I don't have a husband. He says, I know you don't, woman. You had five of one, and you're living with a man right now that you're not married to. Remember that? And so Jesus told the woman at the well who was living in sin, he said, woman, you worship what you don't know. Woman, you don't even know who you're worshiping. You don't know because, listen to me, I want to say this, it's truly impossible to worship God when there is sin in your life. You don't know who you're worshiping. If, if you're just living that life of sin and there's no repentance, there's no change, there's no desire for the things of God, it's not pure worship. Are you hearing me? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. But So there are many Christians, they know enough to be saved, but they don't really know God intimately enough to worship Him. And the Lord just illuminated that to me out of that scripture. Woman, you don't even know who you're worshiping. Do we really know? Do we really know the God of our salvation? There's a note in my study Bible here on this passage. It says this, What matters is not where a Christian worships, meaning you know, you can worship the Lord in, in, in here in the church. You can go worship Him in your car. You can worship Him in your house. So it says, what matters is not where a Christian worships, but the attitude of the heart and mind. True worship is not mere form and ceremony, but spiritual reality, which is in harmony with the nature of God, who is a spirit. Listen. And then it said this. Worship 
So you worship him in spirit and in truth, this scripture said. Worship must also be in truth. That is, transparent, sincere, and according to biblical mandates. That's what my Bible said. So, I'll venture out and say, if someone's living a life of sin, it's, they're not transparent. Their, their worship is not sincere to God. Are you, and it, it's certainly not according to biblical mandates. Amen? All right, now, verse 23, listen to this. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers, say true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. I, this is incredible to me. It said, the Father, our Heavenly Father, is seeking such to worship Him. He's seeking those who truly want to worship Him sincerely. Not for what He can give, but for who He is. He is seeking such. God longs to have your worship. He longs to have your adoration. He longs for and is seeking Christians who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. They come together. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, when we maintain an attitude of worship toward Him, we know if we truly have an attitude of worship, we know we're the targets of His divine grace and power. There is nothing. I mean, you know, if we're honest about it, how often do we truly have pure worship going up to Him? I'm speaking to me. I'm speaking to every pastor who's listening to this service. I'm serious. How often in our personal lives do we really have pure worship going to God? But that's who God is seeking after. He's seeking after. Amen? Now, let me ask you a question. How do you know that you truly know God and that your heart is pure toward Him? Because this is a big key in the topic of worship here. How do you know that, you truly, that we truly know God and that our hearts are pure toward Him? What would be the evidence of that in our life? The Lord showed me a scripture here. I know it's kind of a rhetorical question. I don't mind if people yell out, but go ahead. Anyone want to take a poke at that? How do we know? Hear His voice, Hear his voice. yes. That's, well, that's a good one too. What else? That's good too. Yes, yes, yes. Anybody else? Yes. Go to Habakkuk chapter 3. This will build on those. I mean, there there are several different answers we could come up with. But I want to point something out that maybe we we, we really haven't thought about much. Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 and 18 says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. Though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Here it is, verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. This is what the Lord showed me. You know your heart is pure toward God when joy floods your heart. 
because you know he is God regardless of the negative circumstances in your life. Are you hearing me? It doesn't matter if you're going through hell or high water. You can joy in him because you know him. But what happens, many people when they're going through hell on this earth, when they're going through that high water, they blame God. Are you hearing me? Why? Because they don't know him. But how do you know that you know him? Come on, Job. How about Job? Someone who, he, I, I tell you, that guy went through hell, didn't he? Yeah. But he knew God. He knew God and he stayed faithful to him. Even Job's wife, there it is. Even Job's wife said, Job, you need to just curse God and, and forsake him. Job says, I'm not going to do it. Why? Because he knew God, the wife didn't. Are you hearing me? Well, I'm not equating that to every husband and wife relationship. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> But what I'm saying is there's a contrast there, right? So you know your heart motives are pure when even in the midst of hell on this earth, you can lift your hands and praise him. A joy can even, a joy can even bubble up in these circumstances. That's how, if you can get to that place, if we can all get to that place, we know that we truly and purely can worship God in spirit and in truth. Amen? Hallelujah. So, lip service. Let's, that was just a little rabbit trail there. Lip service does not qualify as worship. Because, like we've been talking about, worship is of the heart. Worship is of the heart. So, if there's an area of your life that's out of place, really, until you repent and confess that sin your words fall to the ground. I mean, for crying out loud, even it says in there, if, you're, if your uh, husband and wife relationship, if your marriage is out of order, your prayers are hindered. Are you hearing me? So this is a, a very serious thing. So we need the Holy Spirit to, to assist us in cleaning up our lives. I'm talking about pure worship today. How many want to worship the Lord purely? With a pure heart pure motives there may be someone here right now who just you know as i'm talking about this you're saying yeah that's me you know what i've i've gotten mad at god i've i i've fallen away from him when when things didn't go my way if that's you just say father i am sorry forgive me i repent it it's that simple it's that simple amen and let me let you in on a, on a little secret here, all right? Ready for this? Christians are not perfect. I, I don't know if you knew that or not, but I'm sorry to disappoint you. Christians are not perfect, and I'll say this. I'm going to step, step out and say this, that every Christian has a secret fault or an area of their life that has not brought, been brought under the influence of the Holy Spirit. An area of their lives, a segment or segments of their life, where they have not surrendered totally to the Holy Spirit. You agree with that? Yeah. Every Christian. It doesn't matter. Every Christian. That's why we can't, you know what I'm saying, we can't point the finger. Are you hearing me? Because we got three pointing back at ourselves. Amen? Every Christian. 
has secret faults. In James 5.16, James 5.16 in the King James Version says this, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So God encourages us as Christians to bring to light those hidden sins or those faults and to pray for one another. And this is an importance, this is the importance, this is why I stress a lot, who are you hanging out with? Who, uh, Who are you accountable to? You see what I'm saying? This is the importance of this, accountability in the body of Christ accountability that you know in america you know it seems like a lot of the other countries kind of have caught on to this accountability thing but people in america just want to be lone rangers are you hearing me they just want to be lone rangers and on their own and but we need each other in the body of christ are you hearing me you cannot we cannot survive alone the battle is too great in this world The spiritual battle that's raging around us every day. It's too great to be alone. We need each other. We need accountability. Amen? Hallelujah. I mean, being a a, a spiritual lone ranger on this earth is like one of our troops going into enemy territory in Iraq with a squirt gun. It's not going to do a darn thing. Are you hearing me? You're going to get, you're, you're just going to get attacked. We need each other. That's why we're members of the body of Christ. Members. A body. Body parts function in harmony, in unity. And, and if there's not a part that's working together, what do you call that? An infirmity. A disease. Are you hearing me? That, that part of the body goes off into its own, does its own thing. Are you hearing me? So we don't need spiritual lone rangers. We need to stick together. We need to come together, as third day says. Amen? Hallelujah. And so when an individual now, I'm talking about secret faults here. When an individual is stuck in deception, they need the Holy Spirit to shine the light on that area of their life. Go to Psalm 19. I want to show you something here. See, this all ties in He's, you're like, oh no, what's he talking about this for? Because it all ties in to worship. How are we truly going to worship God if we let all these secret faults grow in our lives? Are you hearing me? A fault line. A fault line out in California. What, what happens along a fault line? Tell me. Yell it out. Earthquakes. Well, if you don't deal with the fault lines in your personal life, then you're going to come up with some spiritual earthquakes in your life. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 19, 12 through 14, I want to look at here. It says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. 
It starts out by saying, who can understand his errors? You know what that's talking about? The D word, deception. That's talking about deception. I, I always say, I say there's only one problem with deception. deception. It's deceiving. You don't know when you're in it. Are you hearing me? It, verse 14, verse 14 says this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In other words, the, the Holy Spirit through the psalmist is saying this. Are you ready for this? That our words and our mot the motives of our heart need to be aligned together for it to be true worship and to be acceptable in God's sight. I don't know if you caught that or not. Let me read it again. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In other words, there's a chance it is possible for your mouth and your heart not to be lined up. That's defiled worship. But when your words and your heart line up in worship to God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Hallelujah. See, that's why you feel spiritually dry when you're singing a worship song to the Lord while at the same time in your heart you're meditating about Ponderosa. There, there's some free advertisement for Ponderosa on the radio. Are you hearing me? You're, you're meditating on, on food. You're meditating on where you're going to eat after service. And so there's a disconnection. Are you hearing me? Yes, I've been guilty of that. I confess, I repent. Hallelujah. Amen? So, you know, that's why Jesus rebuked the Pharisees by saying, you draw nigh to me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Are you seeing the connection there? Or the disconnection, whatever way you want to look at it. Amen? So, as I was meditating on that scripture, the Holy Spirit revealed the key to drawing nigh to God in maintaining a heart of worship. By keeping your thought life focused on Him and His Word. I will say you will not be able to maintain a heart of worship or even enter into it without maintaining your thought life. Your thought life. That is the only way. It all starts with the thought life. If the thought life is off balance, your whole life will be off balance. Have you, who has found that out yet? Am I preaching to the choir up here today? I'm serious. Have you found that out? If your thought life is out of balance, your actions, your whole life will be out of balance. Amen? In fact, it's your thought life that determines whether you're going to walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh. If you're going to follow God or if you're going to follow sin. And I'll tell you right now, it's a constant battle, isn't it? It's a constant battle that requires your will. It requires your will. Go to Colossians chapter 3. I've been bringing this up a lot in the last couple months. Colossians chapter 3, but, I mean, it's so powerful you can't ignore it. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4, says this, 
If then, if then you were raised with Christ, if you're a Christian, if you've been born again, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. There it is, set your mind. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Hence the born-again experience. When Christ, verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you, sh- you will also appear with him in glory. See, when we set our mind, when we set our thoughts by our own free will on things above, on spiritual things, on the word of God, you're going to live it out in your life. Remember this, I want to share this. When the word of God gives a command not to do something or even to do something, I want to tell you this right now, the flesh and the devil will always put a temptation for you to reach for that forbidden thing. Are you hearing me? There, there's, there's always going to be. When the Bible says don't have, don't, don't have greed. Don't, have, don't let the love of money be greater than the love of God. Are you hearing me? What, what do you think the temptation's going to be? What, what do you think the devil's going to try to get you to do? What do you think that your flesh is going to try to lead you to? Uh, the greed, money, things of the earth, things of the world, things, things that don't even have spiritual significance. Are you hearing me? So whenever you see a command in the word of God, you just know Satan's going to come along and try to put that bait out. If he, I'm sure he has already. Amen? So now this passage says that Christ Jesus is our life. And when we seek things above where he sits at the right hand of God the Father, we are tapping into our life source. We're t- spiritually speaking, John chapter 15, we are abiding in Christ, the true vine. Let me tell you this, it's all in the context of your mind. Did you catch that? It's all in the context of your mind. Why? Because it always starts in your thought life. Verses 1 through 3 here are dealing with the fact that we as Christians are to set, seek and set our minds on spiritual things, things of the Word, things of God, where Christ is. We need to seek things from a biblical perspective. Now, verse 4 I found interesting. It says, when Christ who is our life, remember this is all the same context now, when Christ who is our life appears, then, say then, you also will, will appear with him in glory. Now this is interesting. Verse, uh, these verses, verse 1 starts with uh, if, and then verse 4 in the same context has a then, has a then, then. Say then. When Christ who is our life, then you will appear with him in glory. These verses reveal to us the key to living a victorious Christian life. This, I'll go as far to say this as a Christian. These four verses are giving us the key to having an assurance of our eternal salvation. Because verse 1, 1 through 3, it starts off with an if. Verse 4 says, then. What's the point, Pastor James? The point is this. 
If you set your mind on things above, that's the way you're going to live your life. You're going to live holy. You're going to speak holy. You're going to have assurance of your eternal salvation. Uh, come on, follow me now. Those who don't seek the things above, those who are so earthly minded, so, so devilish minded, those people who once knew Christ and fallen away, do you think they really have assurance of their salvation? No. Come on, when I pray for a backslidden Christian up here, that's the reason they're up here, because they don't have that, that, that assurance. That's why in all the altar calls I'm saying, if you don't know that you know, it's time to rededicate your life. Are you hearing me? So if you set, and this is amazing, don't lose me on this, it starts with the mind. Setting your mind on the Word of God. Setting your mind on things of God. Setting your mind on His commandments. You're going to go in that direction. Amen? Now, let, let's break it down this way. Okay, if you, let me clarify it. Every sin, every form of false doctrine and heresy that people got entangled with stemmed from an uncontrolled thought life. Are you hearing me? Every sin, every form of false doctrine, I find it interesting. Even these, these cults like the Mormons and Jehovah's Witness, who, you know, they, they, they supposedly the founder of it seen an angel, which I don't doubt. I'm sure they, he did see a spiritual being, a demon. And this demon gave all this junk and a new revelation of, of that, you know, Jesus is not the Son of God and all that. I find it real interesting, people, that the New Testament, the Holy Ghost warns us, if an angel from heaven or in the heavenlies, comes to you and gives any other gospel than what we have spoken unto you, reject it. But what happened? This, these demons uh, showed up, manifested themselves, gave a message to these people. The people took hold of it. They meditated on it. And they formed what we have now, all these cults. Are you hearing me? Every sin, every form of false doctrine and heresy in the body, uh, you know, in this earth, that people got entangled with stem from an uncontrolled thought life. A corrupt seed was planted in that person's mind, and they watered it by thinking on it, by meditating upon it, and they were led in that direction. You can put it with any sin, any sin. Any kind of sin. Just put it there. You know, the enemy puts that thought in your mind. You take hold on it. You think about it. You think about it. Pretty soon you find yourself entangled in it. Are you hearing me? So we got to maintain our thought life. We got to stay focused on the word of God. Amen? Maintaining a heart of worship toward God will protect you from going into spiritual error. You'll become more familiar with the voice of God in your spirit, man, when you maintain a heart of worship. Why? I mentioned it earlier, because your heart is soft toward the Lord. You're, it's pliable. You want to hear from Him. Are you hearing? And you know that you're not hearing from Him because you're feeding on the Word of God. Are you hearing me? Now listen to this. The Holy Spirit revealed something to me that I'd never considered before having to do with the topic of worship. 
Never. Say, thank God for the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, Peter, in Acts chapter 10, when the Lord gave him a vision that was letting him know that salvation was being opened up to everybody and not just the Jewish people. You remember that account? Peter was on the rooftop and he had a, the Lord gave him a vision of a sheet coming down and, and these unclean animals that Jewish people weren't supposed to eat and God says, don't call that which is clean unclean. You, you following me? Well, listen. This was a taboo subject to the Jewish people back in that time. Talking about the Gentiles, the, the salvation being opened up to the Gentiles, to every person other than the Jewish people, that was a no-no. Are you hearing me? I mean, you just didn't go there. And this, I mean, how, how did Peter know then? How did Peter know that was God doing that? Are you following me? How did he know? I mean, this was a taboo thing. You don't talk about salvation being opened up to anyone else. In fact, when Peter brought this to the people, to the leaders in Jerusalem of the body of Christ, it caused a big commotion, right? So let me ask you this. How then did Peter know this was from God and not from the devil? The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said this into my spirit. You ready for this? Peter maintained a heart and life of worship and fellowship with me. He maintained a heart of worship. And that heart of worship toward the Lord. He set his mind on things above and was constantly seeking the Lord. And that is how he had discernment. I'm telling you, this is so important. And I said, all right, Lord, give me another, give me, give me another scripture then that would kind of back this thing up. And immediately the Holy Spirit brought to my attention Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. Remember, they came and, and said they, they were given their offering and, and they laid money down and was it Peter? Someone, yeah, I think Peter said, you know, is this the full thing here, you know? And, and the husband says, yes, it is. He dropped dead because he lied. The wife come, they took him out, they buried him. The wife came in uh, hours later. She dropped money down, and Peter said, is this the full amount that you promised to give God? She said, yes, it is. She dropped dead. They went out and buried her. The Lord said, they did not maintain an attitude of worship. Said the enemy came along and put that evil thought to hold back and not fulfill their vow to the Lord. They did not maintain a heart of worship. They took the bait of Satan, meditated on it, acted, judgment came. Are you hearing me? I know that's not shouting material, but I'll tell you what, it's a good key to know. I'm telling you, you want spiritual discernment? We need to maintain a heart of worship toward the Lord. Toward the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, go to Joshua 1.8. What do you mean, Pastor James, that... Uh, you know, your thought life, you'll go in the direction of your thought life. What are you talking about? Is that even scriptural? It sounds good, sounds spiritual, sounds like a pastoral thing to say, but is it really true? Joshua 1.8 says this, 
This book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Your, what are, let me ask you this. What's coming out of your mouth? What are you meditating on? If you're in a backslidden condition, we know what you're meditating on. You're meditating on the things of the enemy, the things that the devil is putting in your mind. And you're going in that direction. Is this, am I getting this across to you today? How important the thought life is and how it's connected to your actions. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. Again, meditation, that has to not only do with your, let it come out of your mouth, but in your mind. What are you thinking on? That you may observe to do. So what you're meditating on, what your thought, what's going on in your thought life is going to affect your actions and life. Your life will go in the direction of your thought life. The greatest tool, the greatest weapon that Satan and evil spirits have to draw you away from God is throwing evil thoughts in your, in your thought life. Are you hearing me? Oh, I guess no one gets attacked here in their thought life. Are you hearing me? That is the biggest weapon. In fact, the enemy needs your permission or an opening to come in to your life. And that permission, that opening is first and foremost your thought life. You know, I, here's the deal. A lot of you are thinking, there, there may be some listening to me on the radio and internet and some in here who are just kind of ignorant about the devil or don't know much about the devil. But a lot of you are thinking a lot of the evil thoughts that you're having originate in you. I will go as far to say, I bet you, most of those thoughts the enemy throws those word pictures. He throws those thoughts in your mind. And then, and then when you start to meditate on it, you take hold of it for yourself. I'm serious. Now, the flesh, of course, can go wild on you too. We know that. But how many of you know, I, 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 I'm tired of ministers saying this. They, they always try to you know, put the, the devil off to the side and they say, well, it's just the flesh. It's the works of the flesh. Hello, the devil and the flesh work hand in hand. They work hand in hand. Oh, yeah. I mean, I went as, as far as someone telling me, a minister told me, he said, I said, you, now, he was arguing about me with, with uh, you know, that homosexuality that the devil has no part in it, he said. He said, no. He said, it says right here, it's a work of the flesh. I said, brother, are you telling me someone who's involved in actions like that do not open themselves to demonic spirits? says right here. I'm like, you fool. The devil works in the flesh. That's how he operates. Well, he's not going to work through the spirit. Are you hearing me? That, that your spirit man wants to serve God. Are you hearing me? But anyways, that's a whole other topic. Uh, but, but, but the devil goes around, the enemy, evil spirits. I mean, Satan is just one spiritual being. You understand that. Satan can be one place at one time, right? So most of his bidding is done by demon spirits, evil spirits, all right? And so they're, they're constantly throwing these thoughts in your mind. And that's why 2 
Corinthians 10 says, cast down imaginations. Cast down every high thing that tries to exalt itself or lift itself up as truth above the Word of God. Are you hearing me? So we need to cast these things down. Amen? All right. Getting close to being done here. So the only way to maintain your spiritual fire your relationship and pure heart of worship toward the Lord Jesus Christ is to maintain your thought life. I can't stress it enough. I, I just feel the Holy Spirit wanting me to hammer that. It's the thought life. It's a thought life. And this is why repentance is so vitally important. Repentance is a mind change that will affect the way you live your life. Repentance is a shifting in your thought process. Say shifting. Say shift happens. I'm going to preach that one of these days. Shift happens. Hallelujah. Works alone, works alone will not help you maintain your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that if our heart isn't right before God, those things are just dead works. They're just dead works. Talking, I was talking to a minister, and he was talking about a, a certain uh, ministry somewhere who, who does a lot of outreaches and stuff. And, and they, he said, they, you know, he said, they got a lot of great dead works over there. Well, it, it, it's a church that totally rejects the Word of God and everything. Are you hearing me? They're dead works. So works alone. The question is, where's your heart? Where's your heart with the Lord? Amen? And when you read the New Testament, and particularly the four Gospels, when Jesus walked this earth, you will notice that Jesus really zoomed in on the heart of man. Yeah, the Old Testament dealt a lot with the outward works, dealt with a lot of rituals, because Man's heart or man's spirit could not be changed until Jesus comes, shed his blood, died on that cross, died and rose again the third day. Are you hearing me? Man's heart couldn't be changed. So man, man then, when Jesus did that, has now an, an opportunity to be born again, a circumcision of the heart, a cutting away of that sin nature in the heart, in the spirit of man. So the Old Testament dealt with a lot of the outward, but then Jesus comes along. Then Jesus comes along and he shifts things. Say shift happens. <laughs> he came, oh my, he blew to pieces. The Pharisees, didn't he? He did. But he came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to abolish or destroy, he came to fulfill it. Now we can have that heart change. Because Jesus shedding his blood, dying on the cross, raising from the dead. Now, guess what? We can walk in these things. Are you hearing me? We can walk in, in God's commandments. We can live a holy life because of what Jesus did. A heart that we, we now have a heart, if you're born again, we now have a heart that can be truly free to choose Jesus. Now, you follow me? I said to choose Jesus. Don't think for a minute because you're a born-again Christian you can't choose to go and, and hold hands with the devil because you can. There's a lot of Christians who are doing that. Are you hearing me? And they fall away. But the only thing that's standing in the way of that thing, of choosing Jesus, is what? 
thought life. Your thought life. That is where repentance comes into play. It's a mind change that chooses to follow God's way and forsakes the devil, forsakes your own way, and wants to choose God's way. Amen? Amen. Repentance, in Strong's Greek and Dictionary Bible, the word translated repentance, literally means to think differently. In Vines, it says to change one's mind or purpose. Now, to be able to renew our mind with the Word of God, we know Romans chapter 12 where it says renew your mind, right? It says renew your mind with the Word of God. But to first do that, you got to repent. It, it's seeing your fault. It's seeing this thing. Repentance is recognizing that there's a problem in your life. There's a problem in your way of thinking. And a decision to turn toward God's ways. When, and when repentance takes, takes place, then you renew your mind and fill yourself with the new. You fill yourself, your mind, with the, with the Word of God. Because the repentance part is acknowledging it. Amen? Then renewing, you pull apart the things here. Um, Ephesians 4.17, my last scripture. Ephesians 4.17 I like that. Shift is the word today. Shift is the word, boys and girls. We need a shift. Amen? We need to shift our mindset from earthly things to the heavenly things. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Glory. Ephesians 4, I know it's behind me, but I want to turn to it. All right, Ephesians 4, 17. Listen to this. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk the rest of the, walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. And then it goes on to say, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. The, the point I want to get across is this. This is written to Christians. This is written to Christians. And it says that you, the Christian, me, the Christian, should. You might want to underline the word should. Or should no longer. Walk as the rest of the Gentiles. Walk. He's talking about sinners. He's talking about unbelievers. In other words, it is possible for the Christian to live like a sinner. Uh, what I'm saying is it's possible for the person who once received Jesus to turn back away. Are you hearing me? To turn their back from him. So that's the importance. And, and then in 18 it said, having their understanding darkened. Understanding has to do with what? Your thought life, your mind, your understanding. Amen? So to truly worship God with a pure heart, we need to deal with our heart. We must set our heart and our thought life on him constantly. Amen? The importance of worship. Let's all stand in this place. The importance of worship. It's so easy to just listen to a message and, and leave and it doesn't really impact your heart. You know what I'm saying?
especially if I'm contending with Ponderosa. But say, Lord, help me to maintain a thought life that will glorify you. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, maybe there's someone in here. You've never made Jesus Lord of your life. You're what the Bible calls a sinner, a child of the devil. You've never made Jesus Lord of your life. Today is the day of salvation. You need to come down, and I want to pray with you. I want to have the privilege to pray a prayer with you to make Jesus Lord of your life. If you've never done that, I want to do that with you right now. Now, maybe there's someone here, you've fallen away. You're one that your, your thought life has gone wild on you, and you've followed it. You've meditated on things. You, you took the bait of the enemy. If that's you, I want you to come forward, and I want to pray with you to rededicate your life. Have a brand new start today. You've, you've given place to the enemy in your thought life. Maybe there's someone in here you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. I'll tell you right now, one, one awesome provision the Lord gave to help you control your thought life, to help you in your Christian walk, is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Amen? All those who are baptized in the Holy Ghost said? All right. If you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism, I want you to come forward. Maybe you need a physical healing, emotional healing. Come on. You know, you know the four things. I, I, every service, four things. Those who are not saved, those who are backslidden, who want to rededicate. Holy Spirit baptism, healing, or prayer. I want you to come forward this morning. The rest of you, worship the Lord. Take this time to worship the Lord. Set aside those other things that would try to crowd your mind. Remember, it's an act of your will. You, you have to, your will has to be into pushing aside those, those anxieties, those, those things that the enemy would want you to focus on. Turn that up a little bit, Shashi. Let's worship the Lord. Lift your hands to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Father, we just worship you. We praise you. Thank you for your goodness. Father, help each and every person in this place to control their thought life, Lord. Fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit now. In the name of Jesus. Refine me, oh God. 
All right. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody else? Control your thought life. Focus on the Lord. Amen? All right. Tonight, 6 o'clock, we have our community praise and prayer service here at RCC. 6 o'clock, Wednesday night, no service. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Don't eat too much. We'll see you next Sunday.